Oh God, we come to you, Lord, expecting, expecting to hear a word. But God, without you, we cannot hear. So open up our hearts, our minds, and our ears to hear what it is you have to say. Speak, O Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Well, this morning we are continuing our sermon series called Every, Values That Change Everything. Over the next uh, six, seven weeks here, as we continue the series, we're going to be talking about eight statements that reflect the core values of our church. And I think this may be one of the most important sermon series I've done in my ministry so far. Because these statements capture things that are so important to the life of the church, we believe they, they should affect everything and everyone. And last week, you heard us talk, uh, talk about everything centered on God's Word. Now, that's the foundation we build on. God's Word is true, and it's transformational. It's how we be trained in the ministry God has called us to do. And this week, we're continuing with the, uh, with the phrase, every member a missionary. Every member a missionary. Now, I can't take credit for coming up with this phrase. Uh, if you've been here for a long time, you'll, I'm, I am confident you will be familiar with the phrase, every member a minister. It was something that was promoted by several previous pastors, different church chairs. It was this initiative to get people involved in the ministry of the church, and we still say it to this day. But I, when I was doing some of my reading on the church history, I've, I read a lot of you know, former uh, newsletters and, and think, minutes and things like that, and I came across an article in, in a church newsletter, I think from about 1990. And someone from the mission board, I can't remember who, uh, they said, well, the church is promoting this phrase, every member of minister, Shouldn't we also promote the phrase, every member a missionary? Because that's true as well. We all need to be engaged in the mission of God. And so whoever wrote that article was absolutely right. Was absolutely right. And we need to capture that spirit so that we can uh, live that out in our church today. Now, when you hear the term missionary, I want you to think, what comes to your mind? Perhaps you think of somewhere, maybe in Asia, maybe Africa, maybe South America, you know, we think of people, maybe you think of people who come to our church and share a, a PowerPoint presentation and some slides of some interesting places around the globe. Or, or perhaps you think of some mission trips that you've been on so to different places. Uh, but bottom line, I think for most of us, when we hear the term missionary, we think of someplace else. We think of somewhere else. We think of somebody else. Well, actually, the word missionary it comes from a Latin word that simply means one who is sent. One who is sent. And certainly, I don't, want you, I don't want you to misunderstand me, God is calling people to reach the unreached, to translate the Bible into new languages, to plant churches in parts of the world that don't have any. And we're going to be talking about our commitment to global mission in a couple weeks. But today, I want to declare to you as clearly as possible that missionary is not a term for somebody else or somewhere else. It is a term for you. You are all missionaries right here, right now, in this community where God has placed you. We are all sent by God. Therefore, every member is a missionary. And Jesus, he made this abundantly clear to his followers that they would be missionaries. Those sent out to reach others with the gospel who would make disciples. And I believe nothing was more important to Jesus than this. He said himself in Luke 19, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's why I'm here. That's my purpose. And so from the beginning, from the beginning of Jesus' ministry all the way to the end of his time on earth, he wanted to make it absolutely clear that his disciples had one primary objective. 
of all the other things in life that we could pursue, but there was one thing he didn't want them to forget. And he gave them two astounding miracles as the most vivid sermon illustration to drive the point deep down into their souls so that they would never forget it. He wanted to make sure this was absolutely their number one priority. And the first miracle out of the two that Jesus did in our primary text today is from Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. And I'd like to invite you to turn there and follow along with me this morning as we preach from this text. And this miracle, it coincides with the disciples' call to join Jesus' missionary movement. And it is also a picture of what we are called to do as the body of Christ today, as missionaries ourselves. So picking up in verse 1, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that is another name for the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Gosh, pause right there. Isn't that a picture of the church? People gathered around Jesus to hear the word of God. That's what we talked about last week, the word of God at the center. And in verse 2 it says, He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. You see, fishermen, they fished at night. It was very hard work. They had to row their boats and and they had to adjust the sails and they had to jump into the water to, to gather the nets. And so they worked all night. And then in the morning, they had to get up and wash their nets from all the gunk, all the debris that they collected in the sea. And then, then they had to dry them so that they wouldn't rot out. So these are hardworking people. And then in verse 3, after the washing the nets, it says, Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, I love this. Jesus makes a boat his pulpit. He makes a boat his pulpit. And this actually, it probably made for a decent amphitheater. If you've ever ever been to the Sea of Galilee, you've seen pictures. It's actually really low in elevation. So there's these small rolling hills around the sea. And so there's many pockets where it makes this natural amphitheater. So if you're out in the sea and preaching, Jesus has a pretty good setup right there in the boat. And then it says in verse 4, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let the nets down, let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. This morning, I want to give you four points about what it means to be a missionary for us from this passage. And the first is this number one, we are missionaries sent by the Master. We are missionaries sent by the Master. So in the story, when Jesus, the master, he asks Simon Peter to go fishing in the morning, Peter offers a little protest, a little inner resistance to Jesus' call. And I think it's really interesting because Jesus had just asked him a verse earlier, hey, can you put out the boat a little from shore so I can preach? And Peter offers no resistance. No, no resistance to that. Jesus is a preacher. He knows what he's doing. There's a big crowd out there. This, this makes perfect sense. No problem, Lord. I'll put out the boat for you. But then, Jesus asks him to do something about which Peter believes that he is the expert. He is a fisherman, after all. He knows these waters very well. Many nights spent out there, hours and hours upon the Sea of Galilee. This is his career. This is his vocation. This is his training. This, if surely Peter knows anything, it is fishing. And so he informs Jesus, Master, just so you know, We worked hard all night, and we didn't catch anything. In other words, Jesus, I'm I'm kind of thinking, we're not going to be successful. 
we're not going to catch anything. You're not even supposed to fish in the day, Lord. Did you know that? How many times have you thought, gosh, this probably isn't going to work. This probably won't make much of a difference. Gosh, we can get so cynical, can't we? We can get so discouraged because we, we face setbacks, we face hardships. And I think our Lord was so wise to choose fishing as a metaphor for the mission of the church because sometimes it, get, it can get so discouraging. You work hard all night, you don't get many bites. It feels like it's not making mu much of a difference. But Peter models for us what our response should be to God's missionary call. Peter says, we've worked hard all night, we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you told me to do it, Lord, I will do it. You're my master. One translation says, at your word, I will let down the nets. You see, those who want to be effective in their mission for Jesus Christ will be those who obey God at his word. You see, Jesus' command, it was contrary to everything that Peter thought. It was contrary to science, fish, are not likely to catch, are not likely to be caught during the day. You're supposed to fish at night. It was contrary to his experience. It was contrary to downright common sense. In fact, the crowds who were gathered around to hear, they probably were a lot of fishermen in that crowd. And they probably thought, how foolish of Jesus and his disciples to go fishing right now. They're probably having a laugh of it, having a good time. They think they're fools. But our master is looking to send people He's looking to send missionaries who will, who will obey the call to go. No matter how foolish, no matter how ridiculous it may seem to those around us, to the people around us, no, God is looking for people who will say, because you say so, Lord, because you call me, Lord, I will go, I will do it. I was reminded of one passage of scripture that just, it just impacts me so much because it's the Lord speaking out of Isaiah 66 too. God is saying this. It's amazing. He says, these are the ones I look on with favor. You want to know who God looks on with favor with? These people. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Oh, let's be people who are humble, contrite in spirit, and who tremble at the word of God. Lord, because you said go and make disciples, I will do it. Because you said you're sending me, I will go. Because you said we are your witnesses, we will be. And some of you, you might be so discouraged this morning because you've been, like the disciples, been working hard, maybe for a long time, working hard all night. And you don't feel maybe you have much to show, to show for it. But the Lord sees how faithful you're being. Paul says in Galatians 6, 9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Maybe you're here this morning and you've had a few failures. You haven't gone fishing in a long time. Maybe you've been fishing and no one's responding to what you're doing. But friends, get back up. Get in the boat and let down the net again. You are a missionary. You are sent by the master himself. You carry Christ's authority with you. What could possibly harm you? We have all the power we need for this mission. Jesus said in John 20, verse 21, he says, As the Father is sending, has sent me, I am sending you. All Christians are sent by the Master himself to seek and save the lost like Jesus did. And you have his authority. You have his commission behind you. You are to be fishers of men. You are missionaries. It's not an optional part of our Christianity. No, he is our master. And because he has told us, 
we will go. It's our duty, but it's also our delight. It's our pleasure. We will go. Number two, mission work depends on Christ's power. It depends on Christ's power. The story continues in verse 6. When they let down the nets, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And this is certainly, beyond a doubt, a miracle. There indeed, this was indeed a miraculous haul of fish caught in the day. We're not supposed to catch fish. And they had worked hard all night, saw nothing. And now these heavy and large nets are filling to the brim and even about to break. Surely the disciples knew this was a miracle from the, from the beginning. But I want you to notice the difference. Without Christ in the boat, no fish. With Christ in the boat, a miraculous haul of, cat, of fish. Jesus said this in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And the Apostle Paul who says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With Christ, we can do anything. With Christ, we will bear much fruit. Without Christ, nothing. Christ is the one who makes all the difference. You see, even though the disciples were the ones fishing, I believe there is no way that Peter and the disciples got to the shore and started congratulating themselves for how good a fisherman they were. <laughs> There's no way that they got to the shore and said, gosh, can you believe we worked all night and we were such an expert that we came and got this miraculous haul of fish? There's no way that they would have attributed that to themselves. But friends, we're in a culture that is so obsessed with success, with celebrity. And we cannot forget the fact that any success, if we want to call it that, that we have in ministry, that we have in the church, it's only because of Jesus Christ. Any gift that we have, it's only been given to us because of the Holy Spirit. It's all because of Jesus. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit says the Lord. But not only is mission work dependent on Christ's power, friends, what you need to know is this is what Christ's power is for. It's what his power in your life is for in the first place. You see, when the church first began, Jesus had been telling them all kinds of great commissions. Go preach the gospel to the nations. Go make disciples of all people and baptizing them in the name of the Father. Go, go, go. I'm sending you but then you get to Acts chapter 1 and he says, hold on a sec. I said go, but just, just wait. Wait, 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 wait. Don't, do not go. I know I said go, but do not go yet. Why? Because you need power. You need to be empowered by my spirit. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. And it says in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And some of you, you might have wondered sometime in your life, gosh, how come I don't experience the power of God like I would like to in my life? How come we don't see some of the things that we saw in the book of Acts that the Christians were doing? Well, friends, ask yourself, are you living like a missionary? Are you living on mission for God? Because that's what his power is for in the first place. We don't need the Holy Spirit for watching TV, do we? We don't, we don't need the Holy Spirit for just hanging around. You need the Holy Spirit for the great commission of God. 
You are sent with a mission, and that's what you need the power for. So if you want to see God move in ways that are miraculous and ways beyond that you could expect or dream, get on mission for God. Get on mission for God. Because that's where his power comes to help us be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. So if you want to see God move powerfully through your life, start living like a missionary today. So mission work depends on Christ's power. Number three, mission work requires teamwork and methods. Mission work, it requires teamwork and methods. Now, in this miracle story, Jesus has all the power, and he could have, he could have simply just had all the fish just swim to shore and jump on the, the shore, right? He could have just had the fish just swim and show up in the baskets where they're, taking the, where they're taking them to the marketplace. But no, Jesus has the disciples get into the boat and let down the nets. You see, God chooses to accomplish the Great Commission through us and through our ministries. Through us, through our ministries. Through teamwork and methods. That is how Jesus is accomplishing his mission. So missionary people must work together to accomplish this mission. And this is why the story continues in verse 7 when they're, they're catching this large haul of fish. It says, They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. You see, I think when we think of this concept of being fishers of men, we think of a solitary individual with a, with a fishing pole, don't we? I mean, that's usually what we think of with fishing. But in Jesus' world, that really was not the primary way to fish. It was not a solitary endeavor. You see, families often partnered together to do the work of fishing. That's why James and John are with Peter, because they're in a fishing unit together. It was better for them, it was easier, and it was a way to increase profit. So they worked together for the fishing industry. You see, God's mission, it's too big for any one of us. It's too big. And none of us have all the gifts, have all the wisdom necessary to accomplish this mission. We need each other. We need each other for this call. And one of the great shifts in church thinking in the last maybe 20 years or so uh, in the Western church is a movement called the missional church. The missional church. And basically what it, what it boils down to, it is the recognition of the fact that the church together is sent on God's mission in the community. The church is a community of missionaries sent by Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, to reach their community. We are to think like missionaries in this place. And one phrase that I like that helps me think about this, maybe it'll help you, is this. We are in the community and for the community. We are in the community and for the community. We are in the, we are in the community. I mean, can you imagine if someone said, yeah, I'm going to go be a missionary in Thailand? And they said, well, well when are you moving? Well, we're not moving. We're going to Skype over there. No, like that, would, that would be ridiculous. No, missionaries go. They go to be among and with the people. It's like the incarnation. Jesus moved into the neighborhood. He tabernacled among us. He became one of us and was with people. In the same way, the church must be in the community. We must desire to become a fabric of what God is doing in this place. And so we move into the neighborhood, so to speak, and we desire to build connections. We desire to build relationships because we're part of this community. But not only that, we're for the community. The early Christians were known for making such a difference with their good deeds, with their service, with their hospitality, that they began to turn the world upside down. So we're not just here, but we're also for the community. 
We're here to make a difference for Jesus Christ. We're in the community. We're for the community. And it's something that we do together. We are in the community. Not just you, not just I, but we. And of course, we are all missionaries individually. And that is the only way we're going to be successful as a missionary team is if every single one of us is living on mission, thinking like a missionary in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your gym, wherever God has placed you. But our church is also a missionary team together to reach people. And that is why our church was planted in the first place. In 1966, we were planted here to reach people in this community. In fact, maybe this would be another way of thinking that might help you. I I met a fellow covenant pastor this summer uh, at one of the classes I took, and she told me that she has this whole ministry in their conference called Think Like a Church Plant. And basically, the idea is it's a ministry to help establish churches think like church plants think. Why is that? Because when you plant a church, you're thinking like a missionary. You're planted for that place. You say, you're trying to get the word out to as many people as possible because everything is riding or dying on the success of those first couple years. Everyone is so engaged in that mission because, gosh, we have to be in this together for this to have an effect on the community. And so she goes around helping other church, established churches like ours think like a church plant. In other words, I would say think like a missionary. So whatever term helps you think the best, think like a church plant. Think like a missionary. That is how God wants to use us. So just like Peter, he signaled his partners to come help, come help me carry these fish back to shore. So we too must partner together to bring people to God. Maybe some of you this morning, you have a friend who needs Christ, but you've been trying all by yourself. You've been ministering all by yourself. You've been isolated. And perhaps God is calling you this morning to signal to a friend to signal to a partner, to signal to your small group, gosh, could we pray about this? I have a friend who needs Christ. Could we pray together? Could we go to some place that we could invite this person and hang out so that they could get to know you and trust you? You see, one, one thing my friend Almas does, a church planner in Kazakhstan, every week he hosts a board game night with his little small group, his house church. They, they host a board game night, and everyone knows this is the place that we all partner together to bring people who need Christ. And they simply play board games, and that's it. And you know what? Over time, people trust them. People see the way that they love one another. People see the way that they are so loving and trustworthy. And many people are coming to Christ through a small group board game night. You see, Almas, he signaled to his partners, come help me. Come help me bring people into the kingdom. Jesus said that they will know we are his disciples by our love for one another. So if we can team up and show people the radical love that we have, God can use that to bring people to himself. So we need to partner up. We need teamwork. We need methods to reach people. And finally, number four this morning, the grace of God motivates us for the mission of God. The grace of God motivates us for the mission of God. You see, after Peter realizes what has just happened, that there's this miraculous catch of fish, he starts to realize who Jesus is. And Peter has an absolute breakdown. In verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. See, Peter has a moment. He realizes that he doesn't even deserve to be around Jesus at all. 
he feels utterly unworthy in the presence of Christ. Friends, when we start to see God for who he really is, the Alpha and the Omega, the creator, the king of the universe, and we begin to realize who we are, how sinful we are, and we see the gap between the two, we can't help but begin to say, oh my goodness, woe is me. It's just like the prophet Isaiah, when he saw the Lord, woe is me, I am a sinful man. Bring that coal to me and touch my lips or I will die in the presence of this holy one. You see, only people who recognize how much God has done for them are going to be effective in Christ's mission. Gosh, you have to say, woe is me, before you, before you say, here I am, send me. Don't skip the woe is me part. Because if you skip the woe is me part, you will not be ready for the here I am, send me. You will burn out. You won't have the motivation necessary to say, gosh, I've been so motivated by this grace that I have experienced that I'm going to be on mission for God. Jesus said the person who is forgiven little will love little, but, but the person who is forgiven much will love much. When we understand what Jesus has done for us, it will motivate, it will propel us, it will give us the motivation and the love necessary to be on this mission. We have to recognize that we don't deserve any of this. We don't deserve eternal life with God. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve Christ. Yes, God loves us and we are valuable in his sight, but because of our sin, we don't deserve any of it. But because of what Jesus has done, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I like what Tim Keller says about the gospel. He says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. We don't deserve it. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared that's the good news of the gospel. And once you've experienced this grace, once you've said, woe is me, I am a sinful man, then you are ready for mission work. And this is why Jesus was able to say to Simon Peter in verse 10, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and followed him. Some of you, I think you need to hear this word too this morning. Don't be afraid anymore. Stop being afraid. Stop worrying so much. Don't worry about the past. God loves you. God has forgiven you. You are not condemned. You are not lost. You are not unworthy. God still calls you. God still wants you. God still loves you. God still likes you. God still wants to use you for his mission work. You are not unworthy. So don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. We are missionaries sent by the master. Our mission work depends on Christ's power. Mission work requires teamwork and methods, and the grace of God motivates us for the mission of God. So what do we do? How do we do this? Well, I can think of, honestly, no better way. It probably is the best way I've ever heard it phrased by the great evangelist, Lon Allison. And he said, prayer, care, share, share, share. We want to bring people to Christ. We pray for them. We love them. We care for them. We do good deeds for them. And then we also share. We share what Jesus has done in our lives and we share the gospel with them. So we do that. We pray, we care, we share. And also one thing we hope you do today is that you do take a conversation starter that you would let people know. Maybe for you the step is today to let people know in your workplace, I'm a Christian. I go to church. And perhaps the Lord is going to use that to start a conversation that might lead this person 
to a deep relationship with Christ. Friends, I'm convinced this morning as, as we move to closing that there was nothing more important to Jesus than this. There was nothing more important to him than this. He started the whole thing with their call with this miracle catch of fish. But did you know that Jesus did this again? He did this again. He dies on the cross. He rises again. And then the end of the book of John ends like this. John chapter 21. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. This is basically the last thing the Apostle John records Jesus doing on earth. Isn't isn't it a wonder to you that Jesus bookends his time on earth with a miracle catch of fish in a miracle catch of fish? I think he wanted to send us a message to let us know Go fish for people. I am with you. My power is with you. When you have me, it will be a miraculous catch of fish. You might see it now, but you might not see it now, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what God is doing. So go fish for people. Go proclaim the good news. Go share. So friends, may you know this morning that Jesus has sent you. Jesus has sent you. You are a missionary. Every member a missionary. Let's pray.